Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Some of the guys, if you want to go around with those and throw those up, I am going to use all this for an illustration in just a second. And so if you're wondering, my arm was starting to cramp up. I was holding it for so long. And so I appreciate Jordan uh, leading us in that song. Um, One of my favorites, but especially in regards to what we're going to talk about today. Um, Today we're going to go back to the passage where we actually started uh, in Matthew chapter number 26. Uh, We've been in a series, this is lesson six of Thy Will Be Done, from um, just really kind of different stories in the Bible. And I preached this as the introductory lesson, uh, preached this from this passage. And then uh, actually later on in that week, I was going back and I was rereading Matthew 26 again. And I thought, man, there's so much more there. And so I wanted to come back to it one more time. But today we're going to be in Lesson 6, and we've simply titled it, Thy Will versus My Will. Thy Will versus My Will. And so this will be a little bit of a follow-up to last week's lesson about what to do when God's will doesn't feel perfect. Um, But today we're going to be in Matthew 26, reading from verse 36 down through verse 46. Uh, I'm going to try to stay right on track so that we can stay on time. But Matthew 26, uh, let's begin reading in verse number 36. The Bible says this, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible. Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time, and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples and saith unto unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he he is at hand that doth betray me. I want you to go back up and let's look at verse number 42. Can you read verse number 42 out loud together with me? Uh, ready, begin. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Thy will versus my will. I said at the beginning that one of the, or during that little pre-sermon to this lesson, all right, during the songs, is that when you have a high view of God or when, when you see it as God's will, it says it's easy for you to stay in God's will. It's easy for you to say, you know what, I'm following a big God, so I guess I'll just go ahead and trust Him. 
But many times what we tend to do is we tend to believe that for some reason our finite minds, our emotions, our relationships, or what we're feeling in that moment, our, our will or my will as we've been referring to it, now trumps thy will. And many times where we mess up in our day-to-day lives, where we mess up and where we kind of start the spiral of falling out of God's will and beginning to really live in plan B, plan C world, many times where that happens is when we choose my will over thy will. And so in this passage, we are going to look at really four scenarios. These are obviously not exhaustive, but here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to apply them to your life. Sometimes, you know, I try to make application and I'll, I'll say something about dating or I'll say something about finances or I'll say something about education or I'll say something about relationships or whatever. And those are kind of just generic applications for where you're at. But the truth is, is that as we go through these scenarios, everyone's application is going to be different. There's some of you that you're dealing with grief and sorrow that no one else knows about. That, about. We're going to talk about that today. There's some of you that you're dealing with failures in friendships and relationships that no one else knows about, and we're going to talk about that today. But the truth is, is that the application must be done by the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to do something with me that we do sometimes uh, when, we, uh, when we pray. As we pray, I'm going to give you about 10, 15 seconds, and I simply want you to pray this prayer. Lord, would you please give me the strength to seek your will rather than mine? Simple prayer. Lord, would you please give me the strength to seek your will rather than mine? So before I pray, I'll give you a couple of seconds. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We'll ask the Lord to work in our hearts and in our lives today as we look at this passage. I'll give you a couple of seconds there of silence to pray that. Lord, give me the strength to pursue your will rather than mine. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, I thank you for this passage. Uh, Really, in some ways, I feel unworthy to preach about something or to teach about something that is so heavy in this passage. And yet, Lord, it's in your word for a reason. So God, I ask you would help me to make biblical application to this class. Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, feel your spirit working, Lord, to recognize that and to walk out of here changed and different, seeking to have the strength and the, Lord, the fortitude and commitment to pursue your will rather than ours. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We're thankful that you're a God who is merciful. Lord, even in the midst of our mistakes, you are a God who is still good. You are a God who is still in control. And Lord, may we each and every day that our feet hit the floor, Lord, that you put breath in our lungs, may we choose thy will over my will. We ask all these things in your name we pray. Amen. Um, One of the joys of parenting, Braxton obviously must have known that I needed an illustration this morning. So one of the joys of parenting is convincing your children that you're right in their lives. Um, And so so I know obviously I'm teaching a singles class, but I'm maybe giving you a glimpse. Maybe by some of the illustrations I give, some of you are like, well, I never want to have kids and never want to get married. All right. So maybe it's having an adverse effect. But uh, this morning Braxton woke up and he's big on like hearty cinnamon rolls. How many of you ever had hearty cinnamon rolls? Okay. Okay, this is this is maybe a deeper spiritual problem. How many of you have ever had hearty cinnamon rolls? 
like four of you. Oh my goodness. All right. Next week for breakfast, we're getting hearty cinnamon rolls for class. All right. And so uh, they're not healthy for those of you who are wondering. Um, that's why you guys didn't raise your hand. You're just such a healthy class. You're just a bunch of probably fruit and vegetable nuts, aren't you? And so uh, anyways, but Braxton loves hearty cinnamon rolls. And so last Monday was his birthday. So I woke up before he went to school and went and sat in line at Hardy's with all the old people and got him some hearty cinnamon rolls and brought him home. Well, so this morning, like we've been out of town we've been running like chickens with our heads cut off and so our refrigerator I think literally has milk lemonade and like cheese in it or something like really random so not a lot of breakfast items in our refrigerator and so we had already said last night before we went to bed like hey we're gonna get up early and we're gonna get our clothes on and get ready we're gonna go get something for breakfast and so Braxton was like hey can we have hearty cinnamon rolls and like as a parent you you're constantly trying to like avoid the inevitable and so I was like well yeah well maybe we'll see like and in the back of my mind I'm thinking okay I know Lauren like she's not going to want to go and have heart greasy hearties like hearties is something that you have at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning and then you go and take a nap at like 11 o'clock because of how greasy and heavy it is okay and so I was already thinking like that's not going to float like Baylor's going to pitch a fit or whatever like Lauren's not big on like a big greasy like sausage egg and cheese biscuit and then coming and sitting in church and trying to worship okay and so I was like yeah maybe we'll see like all right all right good night buddy and like I close the door walk out of his room and so this morning he wakes up he's like are we getting hardies and I'm like no we're not getting hardies and he and he starts crying and I'm like are you seriously crying about hardies like are you crying about hardies right now and he and he and he's like I just want hardies so bad and so like immediately I go into like spiritual dad mode like you realize that you're being so selfish right now. Like you're crying about Hardee's where you're pitching a fit about Hardee's you're trying like, and so I'm trying to give them like all these things. And we're like, we'll order like cinnamon rolls from this place and we'll add, ask for extra icing. And so you're just trying to kind of navigate the, the parenting life, like as it goes and still get ready for church and still have a spirit to where you're ready to come to church. All right. Without biting your kid's head off on the way, on the way here. And so anyways, so we went through all that, and as I was doing it, I would literally already was thinking, I was like, this is an illustration. Like, Braxton gave me my opening illustration for class today. But sometimes, I feel like that God probably feels the same way. Is that he's constantly trying to convince us that his way is better. You know, sometimes when Lauren and I are talking to, whether it's Braxton or Baylor, Blakely right now is our perfect child because she doesn't, she hasn't sinned, okay? And so she actually probably has. Um, and so anyways, but like Braxton and Baylor, sometimes it feels like you almost have to have, like you have to be a lawyer. Like you have to have your case in order. Like, okay, these are the 10 points that I'm going to bring up to Braxton or to, these are the 10 points to bring up to Baylor about why our way is right. And sometimes as Christians and as children of God, we are guilty of the same thing. We're guilty of constantly trying to argue our will trumping God's will. We're constantly trying to convince God to let us have our way. And what we understand is that as a parent, most of the time we do understand what is best for our children and for our family. And so we're trying to make those decisions. But at the same time, we are imperfect parents. And so we don't always get it right. We don't always get maybe make the right choice for our family. But yet God is a perfect God who always makes the right choice for his children. And so many times when we are trying to convince God of our way and our will versus his way and his will, what we're actually doing is we're trying to convince God to allow us to have imperfection in our lives. Think about that. We're trying to convince a perfect, holy, righteous, loving, gracious God that for some reason what we want is better than what he wants. 
And so with that in mind, it brings us to Matthew chapter number 26, where we see the Son of God talking to his Father. And we really see him almost in some ways asking, pleading, begging, sweating drops of blood that shows up in in one of the other Gospels. We see him wanting his will rather than God's will. But I want you to be careful to notice this, is that Jesus even in his moment of sorrow and grief and doubt and maybe his desire to not follow God's will, here's what I want you to see, is that he, was still, he still did it sinlessly. You see, sometimes we almost paint God's will in this, in this picture of, well, you can't, you can't doubt it, you can't not trust it. God, Jesus himself questioned God's will right here, okay? It's not wrong to question, it's wrong to not follow. It's not wrong to question, it's wrong to not follow. Meaning this, is that even in his questioning, Jesus Christ himself was still surrendered to whatever God chose for his life. And for many of us, sometimes we think, well, I can't doubt it, I can't can't really question it. No, it's not wrong to question, we see that in this passage. But where we fail, where we mess up, is when we choose to basically say, okay, I have questioned it, and now I don't like the answer, so I'm going to choose not to follow it. I'm going to choose to step out of it. I'm going to choose to disobey it. I'm going to choose my way over your way. And so with that in mind, I want to give you really four scenarios straight out of this passage. Once again, I said these aren't exhaustive, and then we'll close with a quick visual illustration so that you can kind of see how this plays out. But the first one that I want you to see is when sorrow comes, thy will be done. When sorrow comes, thy will be done. It says in verse number 37 at the end, it says, He began to be sorrowful and very heavy. In just my short time, I guess, of being a Christian and maybe being in ministry, I guess if I had to maybe narrow down what's the one thing that causes people to maybe drift away from God and His will for their lives, it's simply this, that something hurt them. Something hurt them. Maybe a a parent passed away and they they had so many questions about it. Maybe some type of relationship broke down and they had questions about it. Maybe it was their upbringing. Maybe it was just filled with hurt. I've sat uh, with with, uh, meals and in my office with people and as they kind of begin to explain their testimony and their story and what got them to where they are today and why maybe they need help, many times you can trace it back to that they simply did not know how to deal with hurt. And one of the things that we have got to understand as a Christian, and sometimes I know that you guys wonder, why does Joel talk about trials? Why does Joel talk about hard times so much? Is because I think that if there was anything that maybe I didn't hear enough or, or that maybe I just wasn't listening well enough in my younger years, it was this, how do I deal with difficult times? You know, sometimes the, we talk about, oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength and, and you need to have Christian joy and the, the Christian life is an abundant life. And so we have this kind of flowery view of Christianity. And then when something difficult happens and something difficult hits our life, it's like, oh, OK, well, I don't know how to deal with this. The, the book of Job is in the Bible for a reason. It shows us how to deal with sorrow. It shows us how to deal with grief. It shows us how to deal with maybe things that we weren't expecting. And so when sorrow comes, you are at a crossroads in your life. 
Okay, this has happened in my life. This breakup has happened. This difficulty has happened. This sickness has happened. This health issue has happened. Whatever it may be, this loss of a job has happened. These are the things that are causing me sorrow. These are the things that are getting me worked up. And you come to a crossroads and you think, okay, well, I'm either going to trust God that he knows what he's doing, or I'm going to choose to just go and solve this myself. When sorrow comes, you're faced with an opportunity to choose thy will or my will. But not only when sorrow comes, but notice secondly, when doubts arise, thy will be done. Look at verse number 39. He says, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy wilt. Sometimes we as human beings have honest doubts about the things that God's doing, don't we? I don't think that you can sit through the last year and a half and say, I completely understand what God is doing. I I don't think that we can do that. If you can, then you can teach the class next week and tell us what God's doing, all right? I don't think that we can comprehend what a perfect, holy, righteous, loving God is doing in this world. And so because of that, doubts arise. I will never forget that one of the first times I ever heard Brother Stephen Lawwell, who's, helped, who's taught this class before, who's taught Collegiance for Christ over at campus, one of the things that he said and that I have never forgotten is he said this. He said, when doubts arise or when doubts come, doubt your doubts, not your faith. Doubt your doubts and not your faith. You see, so many times we're quick to say, well, I'm going to, because God brought this into my life, then I'm going to doubt God. There's no way that a good God could have done that. There's no way that a good God could have handled that. You can come on in, man. You can find a seat anywhere. All right. Um, But there's no way that a good God could have done that. So I'm going to doubt him. I'm going to doubt who he is. I'm going to doubt what he's done. I'm going to doubt what he's trying to do in my life. But what we can learn from that statement is this, is doubt your doubts. Why, Why is this happening? What is God trying to accomplish in my life? Why, why would I be doubting a good God? I know that God has done this. I, I see in Scripture where God has brought people through different scenarios. I'm going to doubt my doubts, which means this. Let's bring that in and apply that same statement in this passage to, the, to our series, okay? When you are faced with doubts about what God's will is for your life, That is not an opportunity for you to doubt and to make your will greater than his will. It's an opportunity for you to doubt my will rather than thy will. It's an opportunity for you to say, you know what, maybe this dating relationship that I feel a little bit uncomfortable in, maybe that is God giving me a little bit of doubt. Maybe this, maybe this uh, job that is pulling me out of church and that's pulling me away from Christian friends, maybe I should be doubting that, not just looking at the paycheck. Maybe these things that are going on in my family, God is using. This is not an opportunity for you to say, well, I guess because I can't figure it out, I just get to go and do whatever I want to do. That's not the way that God's will works. So when doubts arise, when sorrow comes, then thirdly, when friends fail, when friends fail, Jesus takes his inner circle up to the garden to pray. And all of them end up falling asleep on him. Great friends, huh? Kind of the way that some of you feel when you come into class and you don't get your cup of coffee, all right? When friends fail you, you have a choice to make. Are you going to choose my will or thy will? You know, one of the progressions that I see happen in so many maybe teenagers and young adults' lives is this 
is they begin to hang around people that they know they're not supposed to be around. They begin to be around maybe a crowd that they, that they know is maybe going to drag them down. And they say something, well, I'm just trying to be a light. I'm just trying to be a testimony. I'm not saying that you can't have unsaved friends. I'm not saying that you need to automatically surround yourself with everyone who has high and tight haircuts and only walk around with their Bibles under their arm. I'm not saying that. Okay? But here's what I am saying. And here's what I see is that sometimes what we are guilty of doing is we get ourselves in a position where we elevate relationships with others above our relationship with God. And so we become codependent upon them for our joy. And before too long, if you have surrounded yourself with people who are dragging you down, all of a sudden your joy and your fulfillment now has to come from whatever is bringing them joy and fulfillment, which could be outside of God's will. But on the other hand is that if you come to this class each and every Sunday and you're just here for the, for the friendships and for the relationships and there's nothing wrong with that, we try to encourage that. But if that is what you're here for, guess what? When something happens, your friends can't be there constantly to hold you up. That's why Jesus is a friend. That's why we sang Jesus is a wonderful, merciful Savior and it mentions that He is a friend. The Bible says that He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so what we have to understand is that sometimes friends will fail us, but the friend, Jesus Christ, will never never fail us. And sometimes what this generation, what we're guilty of as young adults is because we're the relationship generation, like we love community and we, we love coffee and we love chit-chatting with people and, and hanging out and let, tell me your story. Tell me, tell me what, okay, that is all great in a certain context, but some, at some point, at some point, we as Christians have to say, my relationship with God is higher than the relationship that I have with those that are beside me. Friends will fail you, but the friend, Jesus Christ, will never fail you. So when friends fail you, have a choice to make. Thy will be done. But then lastly is when flesh fails you. When flesh fails you. The Bible says this in verse number 41. It's some of your favorite verses when you get uh, tired. Is watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh will fail you. You cannot live in God's will in your own strength. The flesh will fail you. And here's what I want you to see, and we'll close with a, a quick illustration, all right? I don't normally do those, but for some reason, I, I actually, I, I went and after I preached this for Crosspoint, I, I went or taught this in, in here. I went and I reread all of that. I already said that at the beginning, but I taught this for a junior high fall retreat, and I gave this illustration at the end, and so I want you to be able to see it as well. But sometimes what we're guilty of doing is we're guilty of saying, well, I need to follow God's will, and so I'm just going to tough it out. Your flesh will fail you. Your flesh will hinder you. Your flesh will hurt you. The Spirit is willing, okay? The Bible actually says that. Many of you, I don't, most of you, you don't doubt the Spirit of God in your life, do you? You know that the Spirit is willing to do what God has called you to do, but the flesh fails us so often. I'm not going to get mad today when I go to work. And then you go to work and your coworker ticks you off as soon as you walk in the door, okay? Your spirit is willing to not be ticked off, but your flesh is not, right? You sit in Nashville traffic, you can have a great moment of prayer and Bible study on your way before, before you go into Nashville traffic, and then you get in Nashville traffic, and the flesh is just taken over, right? The spirit's willing. Man, at 6 o'clock in the morning when you had John 3.16 in the froth of your coffee and you were slurping it with your little vinca vine plant over to the side and you were highlighting Jeremiah 29.11, man, the Spirit was willing at that point, right? 
but the flesh is very weak. And so in that moment, you have a choice. Am I going to give in to my will or am I going to give in to thy will? Let me close with this. How many of you, you've ever seen like those kind of like weird Japanese like game shows on TV and stuff? They're kind of like stupid, all right? I remember one, they're hilarious, but they're stupid, all right? I remember one that I was watching one time to where they were doing like a tug of war. And the tug of war had like a prize if you won. So like, you know how tug of war works, all right? If you won, you fell into like a prize. So I don't even remember what it was, but it was like money or something. I don't know, something weird, okay? Because it's a Japanese game show. It's probably stuffed animals, all right? Um, (laughs) Because every Japanese game show needs oversized stuffed animals, all right? And so like, I remember they were pulling one way, but then if you lost, you got pulled into like mud or dirt or something. And so can I get some guys to help me? Uh, Can I get Jacob and Ransom? Can you come up here? Can you guys get on one end? All right. You don't have to take your jacket off. I'm not going to actually make you fight about it. All right. Okay. So get all the way on the end. So here's what we do sometimes. All right. We'll we'll say that Jacob took his jacket off, so we'll give him God. Now, you guys are going to rip the rope, all right? Can you see this tied in the middle? Uh, (laughs) All right. We've got thy will over here because Jacob took his jacket off, and we've got my will over here, all right? And sometimes what we assume is this. Well, if I get my way, if I'm battling with God and His will, if I get my way, then I'm going to fall into all of this good, all of this greatness. And so we end up searching for things like like hope, right? We're all searching for hope. We live in such a hopeless society that we want to discover hope, right? And so we, we pull and we fight. We're searching for peace. We, we look around. We try to find peace. Like, how do I, uh, man, everything's so crazy right now. How do I have peace in the midst of craziness? And so we assume, well, I just need a bigger paycheck. We search for joy. We search for fulfillment. We search for purpose. And we assume, you guys scoot that back. I'm not that skinny. All right, let's go that way. All right, we assume that that only happens when we get our way, right? That I'm going to pull and I'm going to tug and I just need to find the right girl or I need to find the right guy or I need to get the right uh, job. I need to get the right education. And we assume that if we pull hard enough toward my will, that that's where we're going to discover all this. But what we actually find is this, is that all of the things that we are looking to stumble into in life come from this side rather than that side. We assume that, man, if I'm going to get my way, then my way is what's going to bring me joy. My way is what's going to bring me fulfillment. My way is what's going to bring me peace. My way is what's going to bring me purpose. And here's what we actually end up doing on this side, is that we fight so hard for our will, and it ends up leaving us hopeless. These are upside down. I apologize. All right? Craning your neck. We end up hopeless. So rather than finding hope, and finding it over here, we end up hopeless. And that's why people continue to pull. Well, I just need to go a little bit further. We look for, we find discontentment. Well, if only I had a better car. I know I thought I needed that car, but now I need this car. I know I thought I needed that girl, but I actually need this girl. I know I thought I needed that job, but now I need this job. We, we end up getting frustrated and anger, angry, and we end up with pride because look at all that I've accumulated. And what we actually are searching for over here is only found as we get on this side of the rope. And too many times what we as Christians and as human beings live for is we live on this side of the rope thinking that if only I can get God to come my way, thinking that if only I can get God on my side, then I'll get what I want. And the whole time God is on this side saying, no, you can find joy, you can find peace, you can find contentment in my way rather than in your way. 
And many times, here's what we miss. When it's time to divvy up teams, we get on this side of the rope and pull rather than getting on God's side of the rope and pull. You guys can have a seat. I wasn't going to actually make you fight it out. In Matthew 26, here's what you see. You see Jesus in Matthew 26, surrender to thy will. But there's another guy in Matthew 26 that we read in verse number 46 that it begins happening. There's a guy named Judas. Which side of the rope was Judas on? Which side of the rope was Jesus on? Both of those names are etched into history for two completely different reasons. Judas gave in to financial gain and money and, and popularity and getting his will. And Jesus gave in to God's will. We understand that, G, that God in his infinite wisdom used Judas's selfishness to accomplish his purpose, which is mind-boggling to me. But yet at the same time, we see Jesus Christ himself saying, Thy will be done. When sorrow comes, thy will be done. When doubts arise, thy will be done. When friends fail you, it's not an opportunity to get on the other side of the rope. Thy will be done. And when your flesh fails you and you just don't feel strong enough, it's not an opportunity to start pulling towards my will. It's an opportunity for you to stay on the right side of the rope and choose thy will. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer one more time. The reason why I gave you that prayer is because of this is because it takes a lot of strength and commitment to choose thy will over my will. The truth is, is the easy choice to make is my will. The easy thing to, to, to fight for is my will. But sometimes the difficult thing is choosing thy will. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer one more time. Lord, give me the strength to choose thy will and pursue thy will over my will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word today. Lord, we thank you so much for your will. Your will is perfect. Your way is perfect even when we are not. Lord, your way is good and it is right even when it doesn't feel that way. And so, God, I ask you to help those in this room that when sorrows come, they would keep trusting your will. When doubts arise, that they would doubt those doubts and not their faith. They would doubt their way and not yours. Lord, friends will fail us. That's not an opportunity for us to isolate, but rather it is an opportunity for us to elevate our trust in you. And so, God, I ask you would help us to place our relationship with you above those that are around us so that we may never feel that failure. And Lord, our flesh fails us day in and day out and gives us plenty of excuses to pull for my will rather than thy will. But yet, Lord, I ask you would help us to trust you to trust your will so that we may see at the end of our lives how you've used, our, uh, used us, Lord, how you've worked through us, and Lord, how you have brought joy and peace and hope to our lives as a result of pulling on the right side of the rope. Give us a good rest of the day, Lord. I pray that you bless the service to follow. Bless the rest of the tent revival. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you all for being here. Don't forget tonight. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at 
FRBC underscore Crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.